America Meditating Radio Show. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. Hi, everyone. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. We bridge divides, we seek deeper meaning, and we answer life's most compelling questions from experts around the world. Because in a world of uncertainty and division within and out, we will need answers right here, right now. Join me and guests on America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Do you like to meditate? Have you tried to meditate? Have you struggled with meditation? Why don't you visit one of the Brahma Kumaris Meditation Center? Visit brahmakumaris.org. Take a break. Breathe. Why don't you visit the Peace Village Learning and Retreat Center? 518-589-5000. There is no place like home. Getting home safely is just a click away. Find the right seat for your little one's age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat for more information. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hello and welcome to America Meditating Radio Show. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, broadcasting from the beautiful Meditation Oasis in McLean, Virginia. We're not at the museum today, but looking forward to celebrate our holiday time with all of you. So please come by. Uh, uh, Just go and check the website, and the website will give you information on the upcoming events, especially our holiday celebrations together. Hope you're doing extremely dynamic. We're coming to a close of 2014. What a year this has been. I've been speaking to so many friends and and relatives, and it has been one of the most dynamic year in a way that it has challenged every fiber of folks' beings. It's just it's been one of the roughest years. And it's been particularly rough because it was a year that was telling you to let go of something. It's like stuff just would emerge in ways that were so strange that you couldn't even decode why it was happening to you. And you felt stuck and challenged and powerless. 
because it was as if the soul kept saying, hold on, hold on to what you're accustomed to. But 2014 kept saying, let go, let go, it won't be needed for 2015, and it's about to bring you something much greater than what you've got. You won't be able to receive what's waiting for you in the future if you keep holding on to something that no longer works for you. I was remembering a conversation with a group of folks in a corporate office, and they were struggling with a few departments in which they had hired a few people and placed them there to help to solve a particular situation in the corporation. And you know, after about two years, the situation had actually been solved. But then the third and the fourth year, there were just so many issues where the individuals in that position were being criticized for not doing their job and for not making this happen or that happen. And then someone very quietly had actually saw the whole picture in hindsight and realized, but the problem that we hired them for is fixed. And the problem really is, is that they're in a position which no longer needs them. The question is, where can we put them now in the company where they can be more effective? And I think it goes back to what 2014 did for me and many folks that I knew. We were challenged to let go of things that were no longer needed because maybe we had fixed something. And I'm not quite sure if you've ever given that much thought to your circumstances and situations. Something has gotten fixed, but you're still hanging around thinking you're supposed to keep fixing it. So the destiny or the universe or the drama, as they call it, was really trying to bring all of these energies in front of us to just signal and wake us up and say, let it go, it's done. It's done. And so here we go now, folks. We're getting ready for 2015. And have you let go of the things that no longer are called? You don't need them. I was off of coffee and tea for a whole month and a half. And today was my first day I had the thought I would love some coffee. And I just said, okay, well, it's just a desire. Okay, it's okay. I don't need it. And I went to someone to see if I would get their permission, if I should drink the coffee or not. And to my wonderful, wonderful surprise, they said, please do, just take a little bit, a quarter cup. And what that was doing for me actually was to see that, okay, I needed to check in first. And the person said it was okay, you know, like you're not completely declared yourself, that's it, you're on this journey. And I think we can let go of things and it's okay to just visit it, hello, but let it go though, it's not you, it's not what you want. And I'm wondering, and after today, I'm going to continue on my coffee vengeance. I have no idea. Anyway, everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio Show. We're looking so forward to welcoming Teresa de Grobois. And she's a friend of our lovely Don Duperin, who actually offered her an opportunity to join us on the show. And we're going to get back to her in just a minute. But before I do, guess who's back? Sister Gita is back. She has been on her world trip, Mexico, India. She came back speaking Spanish. No one could understand a word she was saying, but she understood herself. But anyway, we want her to read us one of her very beautiful poems. What have you got for us today? Hello. Good day. Como andas? Como sigue? She goes. I, I am it. back, <laughs> and I am happy and grateful to be back. Lovely place, Cancun. And I had a powerful realization, what I really need in life is to get back to that ultimate experience of being immersed in that love of the divine, totally fulfilled, totally pure, totally peaceful, 
totally strong. I am that. But needless to say, I passed a very good time with my sister, who I had to remember that I was a free spirit and not really structured as she is. And it's all right. We both had a good time. So I'm selecting from the book Beautiful Thoughts for a Beautiful Day. And it's authored by the Brahma Kumaris, of course. And I am reading, Bring an Optimistic View to Your Life. Optimism is the optic or the lens through which I look at my world. Like a kaleidoscope, which arranges bits of colored glass into a pleasing view, I can choose to organize the bits of my life into a view that pleases. The energy of optimism is the organized principle of positivity that allows me to create a pleasing view of my life. Today, let me apply the lens of optimism to create a beautiful picture of my life for today and tomorrow. Have a pensive day full of optimism. Om Shanti. Thank you so much, Sister Gita. That was very beautiful. And now we're very happy to be welcoming Teresa de Grabois, who is on a mission to change the planet one word-of-mouth epidemic at a time. She's a word-of-mouth marketing expert, best-selling author, international speaker, founder, and chair of the Evolutionary Business Council and president of Wildfire Workshops, Inc. Now, her high-impact sessions teach how to build and leverage lasting authentic relationships to grow your influence to the epidemic level. Teresa believes we can shift the thinking of society just by understanding how to generate the spread of positive word of mouth. Today, we welcome Teresa to the America Meditating Radio Show. Hello. Hi, Sister Jenna. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me this morning. 
Well, I'm so glad that Sean recommended you because uh, we just are in love with her and the work that she's doing. So any friend of Sean is definitely someone very special to us here on the air. Uh, well, I'm in love with her, too, so I completely get that. <laughs> She's so amazing. Now, I know that you have quite a diverse background in business, including leadership roles in several organizations. Teresa, what's been inspiring your movement in life and especially bringing you into relationship marketing? Well, it's an interesting story, actually. I'd say, you know, what got me here was probably a series of those wonderful light bulb moments. And, you know, I loved that quote that Sister Gita read at the beginning of the call. It's just so describes my view on life, actually. And, you know, I think I shifted into this path that I'm currently on, you know, starting with what I would now call affectionately my really bad year. You know, and I know a lot of people can relate to that. A lot of people have really challenging periods of their life. And for me, that year looked like the first six months of that year. I had lost my father, my business had failed, my marriage had fallen apart, and I lost my health. And the only thing that I really knew for certain was how incredibly unhappy I was. And I remember a moment. I'm I'm sitting in the bathroom of my new post-marriage breakup condo, and uh, it's it's one in the morning. I'm surrounded by tools because I've always been a renovator, and this bathroom is going to be my latest project. <laughs> and there's literally tears flowing down my face because the only thought in my head is it's me that needs renovating. It's me because I'm looking back over my life, and I can't honestly remember the last time I can say that I was truly happy and in joy and feeling on purpose in my life. And so I make the decision right then and there that I'm going to be my next renovation project. You know, so I start doing every self-help course I can get my hands on. I get a lot more serious about my health. And I get a lot more serious about my yoga and my meditation practice. And it's about six months to a year after this point, And I'm really starting to finally, you know, feel good again. And my life's starting to feel on track. And I'm sitting meditating one day. And all of my why doesn't somebody just start coming up for me. I can see this long string ever since I was a child of saying, why doesn't somebody just, you know, create a big bank account somewhere that will fund schools in developing countries? I didn't know what a trust or a foundation was at that age. And I'm saying, you know, why doesn't somebody just reach out and and help the poor of the world? Why doesn't somebody just, why doesn't somebody just? And I can see this string of them. And in the midst of this meditation, just, perfect clear thought comes to me of I'm somebody. And it's it's one of those thoughts you know the universe or your higher self has sent it to you. Because I could just see in that moment that I've been waiting for somebody else to do the mission I've been given on this planet. I've been waiting for somebody else to follow my dreams and vocally and, and passionately complaining that nobody else is doing the dream in my heart. And it was a moment of such clarity that it got me in action. And within a year of that time, I had left my job in the the corporate oil and gas industry as a leader. I had uh, set up a charity to help build schools in Africa. I had started my own business to start speaking in the world. And I had radically shifted my life. And uh, inside of that, you know, what I did was I took my hobby of of writing children's books because I'd always loved writing little children's stories. I used to write them for my kids. And I published three of those children's books and very quickly put all three on the bestseller list. 
And the really funny thing about that was it very quickly taught me two things. The first thing it taught me was that I didn't really like being a children's author. You know, I, I loved writing <laughs> children's stories. But, you know, going around to schools and teaching kids, you know, principles of success, it was I was enjoying it, but it wasn't really lighting me up at a level of I can tell this is my life's purpose and this is my passion. And the other thing that started happening for me is I've got a flood of people coming at me saying, holy cow, Teresa, three bestsellers in eight months. How the heck did you do that? Wow. And uh, I'm actually sitting having tea with Sean one day. Sean and I are really good friends. In fact, she's my best friend. And uh, and Sean just looks at me and she says, Teresa, when the universe is sending you a flood of something, don't you think you should pay attention? And it was another one of those epiphany moments, you know? Because I realized, you know, I had spent my whole life, my whole career delving in influence and really, you know, creating movements around different ideas, different legislations. But I just wasn't passionate enough about it to really take it to that higher level. And now I had something I was really passionate about. I was really passionate about helping people who wanted to create shift and change in the world get their own influence, get the word out. And I was really good at it. So I rebranded myself overnight, and I've never looked back. I've now made my life's mission and my life's purpose about growing thought leaders who want to shift the consciousness and shift the success level of the planet. And uh, I'm just in joy and so stoked up about what I'm doing right now. It's it, you know every morning is a joy to wake up to. Well, I'm sure that we can all feel that because it really is transmitting very clearly. And one of the things that I was feeling as you were speaking was how does it feel like now? Yes, you're stoked up. Yes, you're passionate. But how has your consciousness, how has your thoughts changed now versus to how it was then? Can you share that? I'd love to. You know, I think one of the biggest shifts for me is when you really find that thing that you're absolutely on fire to do. You know, meditation no longer becomes a practice that you do once a day where you sit down and you try and tune into the universe. You just start living your life tuned in. And you move through your life in that meditative state of getting that you're being used by something. You're being used by a higher purpose. And your ego and your left brain and all that conscious thought that you have that you walk around with is now just a tool in service of that. It's not wrong or bad. It's just a tool in service of that higher purpose. And so all that skill set, all that studying, everything you've learned in this lifetime is all very valid and very appropriate. And it's not who you are. It's just a toolkit you've been given. I like that. I like that. You know, in your training, you've discussed three keys to becoming a person of influence online. Would you mind sharing with our listeners what are those three keys and more, if it's possible? I'd love to. Um, You know, I've really had the privilege of studying a lot of really influential people. And I found if you talk about it, like what creates wildfire word of mouth, I love using the analogy of wildfire because it's a really easy one for people to get. You know, if you talk to your local fire ranger about what creates a wildfire, they'll tell you it's always three things, spark, fuel, wind. Well, the spark is what's that problem that you solve for the world? You know, the bigger the problem you solve for the world, the easier it is for your wildfire to catch. If you think Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., Mother Teresa, people who were highly influential in our generation, they stood in some of the biggest problems going on at the planet at that time. 
And the fuel in the wildfire was how passionately they stood in it. You know, when Martin Luther King Jr. spoke, people couldn't stop doing whatever they were doing and walk over the television set to listen because they were like, wow, who is this individual and what are they standing for? And then the wind in your wildfire is all those relationships with other influential people. Influential people are masters at relationships. And other influencers become the wind in your wildfire because it's the act of gifting influence to other people that influence comes right back to you. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. is such a great example of that. At the age of 28, he became a global icon because he gifted influence to Rosa Parks. He shone the global spotlight on Rosa Parks and the courage of this woman to stand up for what she believed in, in not moving on the bus and creating the Alabama bus boycott around that whole movement. In the act of gifting that influence, Martin Luther King Jr. became one of the most influential people on the planet. That's what the wind in the wildfire is. Wow. Wow. Reminds me of that song. Remember that movie, Best Friends, with, um, what was her name again? Bette Midler? Oh, and I love there was that. this yeah. song about, like, you are the winds beneath my wing. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it was called Beaches. And this wind, which is really that energy that is so subtle but cannot be hidden when it really comes into action. Yeah, it's very true. You can't make yourself influential. You right, need other people right. to do that. And the more other people love you, you know, I would come on your show any day of the week, Sister Jenna, because the work you do in the world is so important. You know, oh, you help so people sweet. get tuned in and on fire, you know. So sweet, so sweet. And you are the wind in other people's wings, you know. There we so, go. And we're all like winding each other up, aren't we? <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, so true. Now look, as founder and chair of the Evolutionary Business Council, which is an invitation-only council of speakers and influencers, they're dedicated to teaching the principles of success I spoke to Daddy Janky, who is my great-grandmother at 98, who actually just went into the hospital last night. But one of the things I remembered asking her, Daddy, what's the key to success? She said, the key to your success lies in how much attention you pay on yourself. Mm. Could you tell me a little bit more, what is the mission of the council and what led you to start this incredible organization? Oh, And I'm deeply moved by uh, you talking about your Dottie. She sounds like an incredibly wise woman. And, you know, I just send all my healing love and energy to her because she's obviously done a good job in youth. (laughs) I I just want to, you know, really honor that because that needs to be said in this moment. Um, Mm -hmm. So the mission of our council. So let me answer your question. So we are really a council that stands for the transformation of consciousness and success on this planet. And what we do that by really gifting each other influence. We become the wind in each other's wildfire. And so the council is really an individual of people who really have each other's back in the conver- in the really courageous conversations that are going on around the planet right now. Wow. And what are some of the conversations that are going on on the planet that the organization is working on looking at how we can influence perhaps change or enhancement? You know, we uh, we have speakers and trainers and radio hosts and writers in a number of different fields, and they're all teaching transformational principles inside of those fields. So 
We've got corporate trainers that are talking about transforming corporations instead of just doing the surficial change management that corporations normally do. We've got people who work with entrepreneurs, teaching entrepreneurs to really get tuned in and fired up about actually creating your life's mission into a business. We've got people in the health industry, you know, talking about what does it take to actually really be honoring and uh, and passionate about living a vibrant and healthy life. We've got people who are intuitives that really help with soul healing. We've got a couple people who are in the realm of dealing with grief and death and dying Mm -hmm. and how do we deal with that in a really honoring way. We've got individuals that are talking about straight spirituality, like how do you really get tuned in What's that path? How do you really get on purpose in your meditation and live your life in a meditative state? And so it's really fascinating because we've actually got people in the full gamut of conversations in every form, and we assist each other in being more powerful in each of those. I love that. That's fantastic. Now, I know that in addition to all of that wonderful stuff that you're doing, um, you're managing the business, right? And you're chairing the Evolutionary Business Council. You've also provided so much assistance to schools and organizations in developing countries, which is never very easy to bring this Western sort of organized way into developing nations. Um, mm. And you've said that it is possible to eradicate poverty, but only if you're able to change the way people think. How do we transform the way people Think. Oh, you know, I love that question because I really do believe that we are right now living in the time, in the moment in time that history will look back on as one of the most significant shifts this planet has ever known. And that is, you know, as a global society, we're finally waking up and realizing that the welfare of the planet as a whole is finally a reasonable practical objective of this planet. You know, and that is one of the most profound shifts that we can ever have as the human race. Because we're waking up and realizing that our success is ours for the taking. And it starts in the very short journey from the head to the heart. And when we make that journey, then we can see that there are you know, fundamental, inalienable human rights that every child and every person on this planet deserves. And when we stand up and as one people guard those inalienable human rights, you know, the right to education, the right to health, the right to safety and security, then that's the shift in consciousness that this planet is waiting for. What's getting in our way, Teresa? What's the cause for us who, I mean, we are so abundant in in creation. God's the creator. God's unlimited, constant, powerful, Mm. pure. The children are struggling. You know, they'll get upset because you just, you know, went in front of them on the highway or they get upset because you shortchanged them or the kids get upset because they're waiting in the line. It's holiday time. They've got to be somewhere else. Everyone's getting angry, upset. Everyone's feeling stuff and pressured and it doesn't feel like it's an elevated creation. What's getting in the way that we seem to be feeding a poverty mentality more than an abundant mentality? You know, I really think it comes down to fear. And when we start to really push out the thinking of, you know, and it starts with teaching children. That's why I'm so passionate about working with school systems 
you know, and working with people who are the teachers of society, that when we can teach society to make that journey from the head to the heart, we can diminish and dispel fear. And I really do believe that the key is people really getting in tune with what forgiveness really is. You know, because we have so many confusing ideas about forgiveness. A lot of us think that to forgive is to forget or to forgive is to say that that action was okay. And, you know, forgiveness is a very distinct principle from accountability or making reparation. You know, forgiveness is all about cleaning up the energy around something so you can move forward powerfully in solution and without fear but move forward in love. And I really do think that's what's missing. That's what we're just in the process of learning as a global society. I remember coming across a quote and it said, when you choose to forgive those who have hurt you, you take away their power. That's so true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's really interesting how if we're holding on to our stories that were painful of the past, uh, continuously waiting for the person to come up and say sorry for what they've done, or we continuously spin over a story that's been you know, recorded or, or captured in our consciousness, thinking it should have been differently, it is so disempowering on all sides of the table. And the fear grows and feeds itself when we're not very strong within our own beings. Would you agree? I would. You know, one of my favorite quotes of Sean Perron is the power in accepting the apology that you'll never receive. Mm. And yeah. I just think that's so powerful as a concept, you know, because, and I struggle with this as much as the next person, you know. <laughs> I just recently had a situation where someone publicly embarrassed me. And I, I get that they did it out of fear. There's a real inquiry for me to look at there with who was I being that they feel, felt they need to, needed to go on the attack and attack me, you know. And, and at the same moment, that individual is not at a place of consciousness that they'll ever be able to see how much they hurt me, you know. Yeah. And so the only thing I can do is accept the apology I'll never receive so that I can get back into a space of love and compassion for that individual and move wow. forward to clean up the mess, you know. Yeah. That's all there is. Sorry about doing. that. Aww. Yes, <laughs> I'm so sorry about those scenes, you know, because I was recalling... Um, my early spiritual days of training, one of the things that the elders do, they try to break the core, rusty part of your ego. And mm-hmm. so they will criticize you in public. They will tell you stuff that you're not even aware of just to see how you react. Mm-hmm. And then they get an idea to see how much illusion you're walking with. And then they gently start to guide you in how to live a life of humility and self-respect. And mm-hmm. I can't tell you how much I've understood what that has meant for me that if I am affected by anyone's quote-unquote, and I'm saying this with respect, anyone's stupidity, <laughs> but with anyone's stupidity, it gives me an opportunity to see if I was in a space of my own illusion, why yeah. is it that their stupidity is affecting me? And the yeah. second thing is we're in a drama, and this drama is fixed in a way, like we're all actors, and we're playing out our scenes. And for the life of me, I observe the other actors in my life like they had to play that scene. The question is, how am I responding to it? That really matters the most to me. And so this is where like all these incredible scenes that we find ourselves in, either 
choosing to forgive or choosing to be humbled to receive forgiveness if it ever comes or choosing to accept the person will never be in their right mind to say sorry. All of that, to me, is rooted in how much do I have my own self-worth, that it doesn't even matter. It's not about them. It's That's about so the way I carry my story, yeah. you know? Yeah, because yeah, fundamentally the fact that someone could even hurt me is at its very core an illusion in and of itself. So true. So you know, true. it's only my reaction to it that allows it to hurt me, right? Exactly. And then that gives yeah. us a window to see where we're at in our game. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. so true? Yeah. I've loved having you on the air. I want to keep talking to you, but I'm going to have to say goodbye. Oh. It's just been a joy, Sister Jenna. Thank you for having me. Same here. Before I let you go, though, um, is there anything that you are working on that you would love our listeners to be aware of? And could you leave us with another life quote? I loved Sean's, um, but is there another one that you're living by currently? Uh, You know what? My favorite quote at the moment is by Charles Mooley. You know, Charles Mooley in my world is, you know, soon to become the next Mother Teresa. He's schooled over 8,000 children in Africa, reforested a huge part of Kenya into big greenhouse operations, provided thousands of jobs. The vision of this man is incredible. He's one of the latest charities I'm getting involved with supporting. And my favorite Charles Mooley quote is, possibility conquers the impossible. And I love that quote because it speaks to how I love to live my life. That just I have it on my wall because it fires me up in the morning. Wow. So I would... I would love to uh, invite your listeners to connect with me, too, if any of them want to come. I have a free four-week program that if they want to, you know, really explore what their life's mission and life's purpose and get on fire in terms of creating some influence around causing change in the world, um, come do my four-week program with me. It's absolutely free. It's my gift to you. It's at wildfireacademy.com forward slash free gift. That's fantastic. Teresa, thank you so much and give my love to Sean. I will. And, you know, all my prayers go to your daddy. Thank you so very much. Take care. Happy holidays. You too. too. Bye-bye, Sister Sean. Mm Bye-bye. So we're all learning on the journey, right? And um, stuff happens to you regardless of how much you have grown and understood stuff. Are you courageous enough to even accept that the person might never come and give you an apology. Fire yourself up, put some wind under your wings and figure out what you're good at and what you need to do for you and for your humanity. Is it that you really want to make a difference or is it by you just being your own story, like making something about your story where you're living something very passionate within you? Is that your source? Is that your story and your source of service to humanity? You'll never know until you put that wind into your fire and beneath your wings and start soaring. Hope you've enjoyed today's conversation. I did. Looking forward to continuing our conversations with all the other great conversations or speakers that we have on the air. Wishing you all a very happy holiday and a special time to really understand what's getting in the way and to move that out of the way. And as Teresa was saying, if something keeps showing up again and again, And it's kind of telling you, change your course, do something else, because it's not working for you now. Just do it. There's a reason why it's knocking on your door all the time. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we are going to learn to love each other the same, so let's do it. 
Download the Pause for Peace app so you can keep updated on all these wonderful programs. And stay healthy, everyone. All the very best.